Apple fans. And as you heard, for the very last time, <sighs> the dulcet tones of Boy Meets Girl, we're going back to Lork and Meet Simon as we do our final Meltzer five-star review, debrief, whatever you want to call this final episode. I'm your co-host, Lorcan Mullen. With me, as always, is my co-host. Simon Cross. Simon, we've watched a number of five-star matches. We've watched The Road of Kings. We've watched The Strongest of Styles. We've seen ladders and tables and chairs and... Oh, my. We've seen incredible haircuts. (laughs) Oh, yes, we have. We've seen Careers End. We've seen Stars Born. We've seen Pillars of Heaven. We've seen Elites Emerge. We've seen rating systems break and reconfigure themselves. Ooh, and all brought to you in the space of a calendar year. We you haven't lucky, seen any lucky bastards. We haven't seen any Daniel Bryan, but we have seen some Johnny Ace and Lars Sullivan. Ah, uh, uh, uh. Funaki. And some Funaki, yes. Thank you. <laughs> and some Tomoaki Honma. <laughs> what? It's been mental, hasn't it? It has. Um, imagine if someone's just listening to this one. It's just like, ah, <laughs> uh, I'll, 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 I'll read the summary. Too long, didn't read. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, what we do in these episodes, usually with the debriefs, is that we do a quick rundown of what we've watched over the since the previous debrief. Uh, then we give our top tens and create a mutual top five. Uh, I'm going to do it a little bit different this time. First of all, I will list off what we uh, saw for the 2019 matches, which have been the... Uh, matches that we haven't watched before the previous debrief, which was the end of 2018 run. So the last match that we watched when we made that debrief was the Golden Lovers taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi and Will Ospreay on the 15th of December 2018. Then we made our top 10 list. We're not going to go through those again. We're just going to wait until... We're just going to go through. So the matches in 2019 that we covered. First of all, it was Wrestle Kingdom. And it was the final match in New Japan of Kenny Omega as he defended his IWGP Heavyweight Championship against the ace of the universe, the once-in-a-century talent, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Then we had an alright match between Kazuchika Okada and Sonada on the 24th of March 2019 in the New Japan Cup Final. It's fine. A few weeks after that, well, your notes suggest otherwise, a few weeks after that, we've got uh, Johnny Gargano, facing Adam Cole in a two-out-of-three-falls match to decide who will be the new NXT champion after the relinquishing of that title by the incapacitated Tommaso Ciampa. We followed that up a couple of months later with the Best of the Super Juniors tournament uh, in a group stage match for the first time. Five stars was handed out to Will Ospreay and rising star of the US Indie and Mexican scene and now Japan scene, Bandido. Then we had Brother vs. Brother and the first five-star match from the burgeoning promotion of All Elite Wrestling as Cody faced his brother, Dustin Rhodes. Then we had a rematch as Johnny Gargano tried to defend the title that he won from Adam Cole against Adam Cole on the 1st of June 2019. 
Then we had Will Ospreay once again, this time in the final of the Best of the Super Juniors, taking on a debutante on this list, Shingo Takagi. Ospreay would appear a few days later, having won the Best of the Super Juniors, sorry for the spoilers, to take on his rightful title shot opponent of Dragon Lee for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship at Dominion on the 9th of June. After that, Will Ospreay entered the G1 Climax and saw himself facing his Wrestle Kingdom opponent again, as it was Ospreay against Kota Ibushi. Continuing on with the G1 Climax, we had a couple more matches over the next two days. On the 19th of, on the 19th of July, Tomohiro Ishii took on that invading Gaijin and reinvented star of the year, John Moxley. Then it was Kazuchika Okada taking on his Chaos Stablemate, and previous appearance on this list, Will Ospreay, having his fifth five-star match in the space of two months. We took a break away from the G1 Climax then and went to California for a Lucha Libre Trios match. As Bandido returned and teamed with Flamita and Rey Horus to take on Puma King, the Laredo Kid and Black Taurus. We had another rematch of an alright match as Kazuchika Okada and Sonada faced off again in the G1 Climax. This was followed by a Los Ingobernables de Apon Civil War, as Tetsuya Naito faced off against Shingo Takagi. Shingo Takagi then a few days later took on Chaos's Tomohiro Ishii in a battle of the sub-six-foot blunderbusses. <laughs> then we had the block final, A block final of the G1 Climax, as Kazuchika Okada faced off against Kota Ibushi to see who would reach the final. And that final two days later was the next five-star plus match as Kota Ibushi, again, spoiler, won to take on Jay White of the Bullet Club. We're in the UK for the very first time as NXT UK hosts a takeover in Cardiff. We're in Wales. As the big strong boy, Tyler Bates, tries to win the big strong boy. Big strong boy. back from Dering General. Volta. Later a bigger, day, stronger boy. Later that day, we were in America, as it was AEW's Double or Nothing pay-per-view event. An all-out event, sorry. As the Lucha Brothers faced off against the Young Bucks in an Escala de Muertes match. A ladder of death match. Then it was back to PWG. Battle of Los Angeles semi-final. Dragon Lee against Bandido. And to end it all, we're at OTT in Ireland as Jordan Devlin defends the OTT Championship against the perfect name to end. The nominative determinism of it all that was David Starr. Isn't it lovely when life lines up like that? Big year. A lot happened. An awful lot happened. And as I say, first time in the, well, the British and Irish Isles, because we'll keep southern ireland separate i don't i don't want to set the rest of ireland separate soon enough jeez i didn't want to go down that route but I nevertheless anywho <laughs> um so that has been the list of five star matches uh from 2019 now what we're going to give you now is a rundown of our own individual matches that got five stars from us, that Dave Meltzer did. To give you an idea, first of all, out of all the matches that Dave Meltzer gave five stars to, we disagreed entirely with him, sorry, on 79. 
So what we're going to bring up now are the ones that we agree with him, but only individually. And then we will do the ones that we agree with on him mutually. Because Simon gave a grand total of 54 matches, five stars, over the course of this series. Whereas I, Lorcan Mullen, gave a grand total of 42. Some of us have a more refined taste, it would appear to be. And so what I'm going to give you, first of all, are Simon's... Um, let's have a look how many he did that were unique. 22 unique five-star matches, okay? Strap in, lads. Firstly, he went with Kent Kabashi and Steve Williams on the 31st of August, 1993. If you want to drop in any little comments as we're going along, feel free. Oh, I will. Two big, strong men. Oh, I loved it. Then I loved that it was the match that was the bane of my existence for a very long time. It was a tag team encounter between Mitsuhara Masawa and <laughs> against Toshiaki Kawada and Akira Tawe at the Real World Tag League Final on the 3rd of December <laughs> 1993. I love how you didn't even give me the chance to say the date then. You didn't you just wanted to avoid having an aneurysm. The third of December nineteen ninety-three. Well, it may or may not be a problem for you anymore. We'll see you later on. I will march your ass into the fiery pits of hell if you get this wrong again. Back to Simon's unique list. And it was also the one and only Akira Tawe singles match that got a five-star rating from Simon. Didn't quite from me. And that was him facing off against Mitsuharu Masawa on the 15th of April, 1995. Then it was that Simon's... boy in his big red pants. Mm. Then it was Simon's sole Joshi match. I don't want to say tokenism. <sighs> well, good, because it wasn't. Piss off. <laughs> and it was Aja Kong against Manami Toyota on the 27th of June, 1995. Back to All Japan, and it was a All Japan World Tag Team title match where Mitsuharu Masawa and his Padawan Junakiyama defended their titles against Steve Williams and Johnny Ace. That's right. Simon gave five stars to a match involving Johnny Ace. I love croaky voices. And okay. big strong men. What may come as a surprise to you, and I think it did a bit to me, because I could have sworn I gave this match five stars, and maybe I did and I screwed up, but that's just what the notes don't say at the moment. So forgive me if I got it wrong. Uh, The Best of the Super Juniors final, 1997, gets five stars from Simon, and that was between El Samurai and Koji Kanemoto. I love mask ripping. A whole 18 years followed after that before we found another match that Simon rated five stars and... Your humble narrator did not. Jesus. And that was the G1 Climax final at 2015 between Hiroshi Tanahashi and Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh, yes. There's men kneeing each other. The next year's G1... The next year's G1 Climax provided another match that Simon gave five stars and I did not give it to. And it was Chaos Imploding as Kazuchika Okada faced Tomohiro Ishii. My boy! Yet another Best of the Super Juniors final, actually the one exactly 20 years after the previous one that Simon gave five stars to and I did not. And that is a match between Will Ospreay and Kushida. 
It's the G1 Climax yet again, and it was one of the block finals of the 27 G1 Climax that I did not give five stars to. That was the A block match, I believe, or the B block. I think it was the A block between Hiroshi Tanahashi and Tetsuya Naito. Ah, uh, yes. It's the first WWE match that Simon gave five stars to that I did not. Next, as is for the NXT Championship on the 27th of January 2018, as Andrade Almas defends against... Johnny Wrestling Gargano. Tranquilo is truly international, my friends. We're back in New Japan and we're back at another Best of the Super Juniors final. As it is a match between Los Ingobernables de Apons Hiromu Takahashi against the chiseled abs of one Taiji Ishimori of the Bullet Club. Chisel doesn't go far enough. If you like looked up abs in the dictionary, <clears throat> it'd be that. That's like ab. You know how like there's patient zero in viral outbreaks. That's ab zero. It's the NXT brand yet again that Simon gives five stars to, and it's also not a takeover match. It, but it's for the NXT Tag Team Championships as Mustache Mountain of Trent Seven and Tyler Bate defend their new, newly won NXT Tag Team titles against the men they beat for it, Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly of the Undisputed Era. It's a fiddly one, that, because I, I did waver. More of an angle than a match in some senses, but beautiful storytelling. We have a number of G1 Climax matches from 2018 that Simon gave five stars to that I did not. First, on the 15th of July, Kenny Omega against Tetsuya Naito in their block opening main event. Then it was Kenny Omega again against Tomohiro Ishii. I love him! I love that Bloody thing. brutal battle that one was. I love that big, strong boy. 4th of August, 2018. Then it was Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi deciding who won the A block for their competition. That time limit draw. As Okada does love the cocaine. (laughs) And it was the B block uh, final as well that Simon gave five stars to that I did not. As Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, the Golden Lovers, exploded. And not in the way that they probably would like to. Those Golden Lovers teamed up, though, for the next match to get five stars from Simon that didn't get five stars from me. Against Hiroshi Tanahashi and Will Ospreay in the final uh, preview of their mutual singles matches at the Wrestle Kingdom event, of which we've already mentioned one of. 2019's matches that Simon gave five stars to and I did not. Total four. Cody versus Dustin Rhodes at All Elite Wrestling. Will Ospreay against Kota Ibushi. For the in the G1 climax, Kazuchika Okada facing Kotribushi in the A block final of the G1 climax, and All Elite Wrestling's ladder match between the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks. So so far, 100% success rate for me and AEW and Dave. That's true. All lining up. Yeah. There's no. Uh, there's no. There's a lot of overlap on that Venn diagram. So now to list off the 10 matches that I gave five stars to that Simon didn't. What may not surprise you, may or may not surprise you, is that seven of those 10 took place in the 20th century. When I was at my prime and Simon was yet to emerge for the most part. (laughs) I think there's a lot better overwhelming majority, yeah. Fair, I didn't emerge for the most part of it as well. But you get what I'm coming from. Uh, the first one was the third Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat match on our list. The second in the televised series. Their two out of three falls match on the 2nd of April 1989 at Music City Showdown. 
You did not give that one five stars, Simon. Did I not? No. Sorry, just because it was in my lists at first. Just mind you, I didn't have a lot of five-star matches exactly. at the beginning. Exactly. Then it was Jumbo Saruta against Mitsuharu Masawa on the 8th of June, 1990. That was followed up by the one Joshi match that I had on my list, which was the 2 out of 3 falls clash for the 3WA tag team titles between Dynamite Kanzai and Miyumi Ozaki against Manami Toyota and Toshio Yamada. And before you say anything, Simon, I wasn't giving it five stars because there were only a couple of matches left on the list and I knew I was going to get hate mail. Piss off, all right? <laughs> you can't go one and one and then give me tokenism. Piss whilst, right off. <laughs> whilst Simon did give the Kentakabashi steve Williams match five stars, he did not give this one from a very similar time period five stars, and I did. And that was Kentakabashi against Stan Hansen. Then we went to one of the most artistically influential matches of wrestling history, at least in the modern context, as Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon wrestled at WrestleMania 10 in a ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. I gave uh, Mitsuhara Masawa against Junakiyama against Toshiaki Kawada and Akira Tawe tag team match five stars. That was their real world tag league final in 1996 on the 6th of December. Then it was a Masawa Kabashi match that I gave five stars to that Simon didn't on the 31st of October 98. Then it was one of the Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kazuchika Okada matches. It was one of their more recent efforts as Okada tried to defend the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Tanahashi on the 4th of May 2018 to see if he could break Tanahashi's defense record. Oh, that one. Tanahashi sticks around for my five-star match as I gave the 2018 G1 Climax final five stars, whereas Simon went with it for the two block finals as Hiroshi Tanahashi fought Kota Ibushi. And the final five-star match that I gave that Simon did not was an inverse of the previous two years as I gave the 2019 Best of the Super Juniors final five stars between Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi. Now... To give you now the mutual five-star matches that we both gave that rating to. And really that gives us ultimately what should be the shortlist for our overall top five final five. And they were starting off with Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat on the 7th of May 1989 at WrestleWar 89 with judges at ringside in case the match reaches the time limit draw. Then we have arguably the greatest six-man tag team match of all time. The second of three matches to get five stars from Dave Meltzer involving Jumbo Saruta, Akira Tawe, and Masanobu Fushi teaming up against Mitsuhara Masawa, Toshiaki Kawada, and Kent Kabashi. Then the next match also involved Kent Kabashi, but he was the big brother for his little junior partner of the Super Generation Army, Soyoshi Kikuchi, as they faced the Gaijin team and All-Asia Tag Team title division stalwarts of Doug Furness and Dan Crawford. Then it's the original six-star match, Mitsuharu Masawa versus Toshiaki Kawada for the All-Japan Triple Crown on the 3rd of June, 1994. Follow that up with many argue the greatest tag team match of all time, as it's Mitsuhara Masawa and Kabashi teaming up against Kawada and Tawe on the 9th of June 1995 for the All Japan World Tag Team titles. We're in the WWE for our next two matches. 
both in 1997, the key year for what may be the greatest period of WWE's history, but without actually being technically a part of it. At WrestleMania 13, Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin faced off in an I Quit match. And then it, no, a Bad Blood 1997, six months later, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker wrestled in Hell in a Cell. It's a pair of Masawa Kabashi matches next, but there's a bit of a gap between them. The first one takes place on the 11th of June, 1999, and the second one takes place in an entirely different promotion of Noah on the 1st of March, 2003. We then got a trio of Ring of Honor matches to give you for our next uh, five-star matches during the barren period of the noughties. As Samoa Joe and CM Punk wrestled for the second time for the Ring of Honor World title, having previously not been able to find a winner in a time limit draw. Does that happen this time? Yes, yes it does. I feel like I shouldn't spoil it for you, but I did. The joe continued as he faced off against the man that many people thought would never set foot in a Ring of Honor ring, but whose shadow had covered the whole promotion since its inception. As the dream match of Samoa Joe... Versus Kenta Kabashi took place on the 1st of October 2005. Ring of Honor hosted this match, but none of its regulars really took part in it, as it was a Dragon Gate exhibition on WrestleMania weekend that became a tradition within a tradition over the next few years. But this was the first one. Blood Generation versus Do Fixer, as Shima, Masato Yoshino, and Naruki Doi faced off against the Dragon Kid, Genki Horiguchi and Ryo Saito. Then it was the first five-star match in five years, and we talked about it for a long-ass time. <laughs> it was CM Punk versus John Cena for the WWE Championship at Money in the Bank 2011 in Chicago, Illinois. Then it was the first of the many New Japan matches that would continue to cover this list for the longest time, and it's actually the first of a string of... 10 New Japan matches that we give 5 stars to mutually at the ben, at the uh, detraction of any other promotion during that time period. So first, it was Hiroshi Tanahashi defending his IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Minoru Suzuki on the 8th of October 2012. That was Sexy up, Suzuki. That was followed up by Hiroshi Tanahashi defending his IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Kazuchika Okada on the 7th of April 2013. It might actually be Okada that's the defender of that title of that match. I can't remember. No, I think it was Tanahashi because I've got them listed first. Because then I've got them turned around on their head. Because the next one was Kazuchika Okada against Tanahashi. With Okada being the defender on the 14th of October 2013. You know what it was then, Sai? It was Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada again. Oh, weird that. On Wrestle Kingdom 2016. And then two new faces emerge in the mutual five-star list. To join those other two as the equivalent of the four pillars of heaven of this era of New Japan. As it's Kenny Omega versus Tetsuya Naito in the B-Block final of the G1 Climax. Then we have Kazuchika Okada against Kenny Omega in the second six-star match. That really led to everything going apeshit crazy. Then we had a career finale that wasn't intended to be as our next five-star match. As Kazuchika Okada defended his IWGP Heavyweight Championship against the wrestler Katsuyori Shibata. On the 9th of April 2017. Oh, the headbutt heard around the world. Then it's a pair of Okada Omega matches again. First, their rematch for the IWGP Heavyweight title at Dominion 2017. Followed by their G1 B-Block final 
on the 12th of August 2017. Then it's Kenny Omega against Tetsuya Naito the very next day on the 13th of August. A rematch from the previous year's G1 Climax, except this one is the final of the whole tournament. Now we're in WWE as it's NXT time, baby. It's Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa in a non-sanctioned match on the 7th of April 2018. We're back in New Japan again. It's the two out of three falls, no time limit IWGB Heavyweight Championship match and the fourth incarnation of Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega. The fourth and final, we don't know yet. Uh, then it was New Japan G1 Climax time, but it was an unsung, uh, two unsung heroes maybe of the promotion battling it out and battering each other in the process as Hiroki Goto fought Tomohiro Ishii. And now we're in 2019. So these are the six matches of 2019 that have previously been listed that we gave five stars to along with Dave Meltzer. Well, Dave Meltzer might have gone above and beyond with most of these matches. I think he did. Actually, yes, all of these. No, except for the last one. Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom 2019. Johnny Gargano against Adam Cole. Both of their NXT main events, the two out of three falls match and then the follow-up match a few months later. Then it's Kotrobushi versus Jay White at the G1 Climax Final. Volta versus Tyler Bate at NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff. And finally, David Starr challenging Jordan Devlin at OTT on the 26th of October 2019. The final match at time of recording that Dave Meltzer has given five stars to. And we, quite apropos, gave it five stars ourselves. Ourselves. Well, my throat is finally starting to recover. Now you get to do some listing as well, Simon. But you know what? I'm going to quickly steal your thunder on that one. Because I will say right now, none of my five-star matches from 2019 have made my top ten. So my top ten remains the same as it was at the previous debrief. So I'll quickly run those down for you because I've listed all those matches just recently. My number 10 was Kabashi and Kikuchi against Furnace and Crawford. My number 9 was Jumbo's Army against uh, the Super Generation Army in April 91. Number 8 is Misawa Kabashi on the 31st of October 20, uh, 1998. Then I've got Okada Omega, sev- uh, Okada Omega 4, the 7-star match at number 7. Then I've got Okada Shibata. April 2017. Then I've got Okada Omega, Wrestle Kingdom 2017. Bret Hart vs. Stone Cold Steve Austin, I Quit Match at WrestleMania 13 is my number four. Number three is Masawa Kabashi against Kawada Tawe on the 9th of June 95. Number two, Ric Flair vs. Ricky Steamboat at WrestleWar 89. And my number one remains, and maybe will do forever in a day, Mitsuhara Masawa. Versus Toshiaki Kawada, the original six-star match on the third of June, nineteen ninety-four. Simon, Ooh. has your list stayed the same, or are there new additions? Well, some people may accuse me of recency bias, but there are changes. Here we go. Changes. Oh, that means you don't have to list the final, the bloody match again. You never have to get those dates wrong ever again, Simon. But continue. Look how happy he is. I am ecstatic. At number 10, 
Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada, Dominion Whoa, 2018. Wait a second, are you telling me there are three new entries to this list? Um, well, your maths are quick and accurate. Bloody hell, Fireman! In at number nine, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kazuchika Okada, 10th August 2018. Time limit draw. Sorry for the spoilers. Wrestle Kingdom 2016 is at number eight, and it's Tanahashi Okada. Wow. Okay. So your number five is now your number eight. Correct. At number seven, Switchblade Jay White versus Kota Ibushi, 12th of August 2019. At number six, two out of three falls, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano. Bloody hell. Interesting, because I thought we both said that the second match was the better match. Uh, I'm going for emotional response okay, okay. <laughs> and how I felt a little bit. Number five. Recency bias is at its apex here. David Starr versus Jordan Devlin. Makes your top five. So does that mean your top four are the same? My top four, I can confirm, remained unchanged. So for so those who can't those remember, yep. I will just quickly run those down. That makes it uh, Omega versus Okada, 11th of June 2017. Uh, Omega vs. Okada, Wrestle Kingdom 2017, Gagano vs. Champa, unsanctioned match, and my number one, since we've seen it, has stayed the same. Wow. Mitsuharu Masawa vs. Toshiaki Kawada, 3rd June 1994. That Big up the green tights, massive. That is also the only match, not only from the 90s, not only from the 20th century, but the only match from before 2016 that is in your top 10 now. Yes. You young whippersnapper. You think they didn't do it good in the old days? No, it's, it's just we're, like New Japan in that period was just the hot hand. Like how old, old, if you look at my old lists, how many old Japan tag matches were on those? Well, Simon, we have some problems here now if we're going to do a final five. We literally only have three mutual matches in our top ten now, of which two are the same match. And we don't really like doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, number one is undisputed. Number Absolutely one, we've just there. So to give people an idea, our top five before this record were at number one, Masawa Kawada, which it will stay. At number two, Okada Omega, Wrestle Kingdom 2017. So it's the first two six-star matches. Then we're in trouble, Simon. <laughs> so our next three are no longer in your top ten. And they were? Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat, WrestleWar 89. Masawa and Kabashi against Kawada and Tawe on the 9th of June 95. And Jumbo's Army against the Super Generation Army, 2nd of April 1991. That one hurt. Dropping that off the top ten, if I'm being honest. Yeah, that, that was that would have been the closest one. So you, but you ranked Okada. You, sorry, you were you ranked Ibushi Jay White ahead of that match. I did. Okay, I'm gonna. I I will concede one to, because it probably would have been in my top twenty, and I think it's pretty cool for us to put it in there anyway. I will allow Star Devlin in our mutual five. Sweet. But what does it go? At the expense of. I would suggest 
it might be better for us to get rid of one of the all Japan matches. I think, I, I, again, I hate saying this because this match, like, really, it was quite seminal in the series for opening my eyes to the possibilities of all Japan and not the, the potential of what I was about to watch. But reluctantly, because it's not on either list now, it, I think no, it has to be. It's on my list. It's on my, it's my number nine. Oh, yeah. I can keep it then. But the tag team match That's, is my is number higher. three. Yeah. I think we do have to take that one off the six, man. This is crazy. And some people will think we're mad for doing this. And maybe, uh, maybe our minds have just gone mental. But you would think that we would just... I'd like the idea that a little Irish promotion can have one of our top five matches. And it was so about uh, what modern day wrestling... We were saying so much of it fuses so much of yeah. different elements of the list and what wrestling can be. Yeah, and... The reason I sweated on this list is because there's there's gonna like, I'm just gonna say it. People are gonna say recency bias, but you look at Devlin Star, pure storytelling. I had no idea about the story going in, like, and it just took me on such an emotional ride. I couldn't not put it in. Cole Gagano, two out of three falls, has personal. Uh, things I, 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 it has a personal hook to me. Again, it was an emotional roller coaster. Uh, I loved it. And do you know what? I think for the Jay White Kota Ibushi thing, there was also that emotional uh, man overcoming like the heel and all that, that shithousery. Mm. But I think part of it, and I will accept this, stands it, it stands out from the crowd, New mm. Japan-wise, because it's not all the other stuff I've seen in New Japan. And I think that gives it an edge. Yeah, And I'll accept that. I think, I think I think you can look at the David Starr, Jordan Devlin and see almost every aspect of wrestling from the previous 35 years. Yeah. Where we, where if we count modern wrestling starting from around Hogan beating the Iron Sheik at Wrestle, uh, on, in January 84 and also the, pre, the first five-star match on this list uh, in April of 1983. So if we look at 83 to 84, which ironically, time I was born... Which some people think is the cut-off date for millennials. I don't know. Some say 80, some say 84. Oh, it's just a catch-all term these days, I think. Yeah. Well, are you Generation Y? Or are you? No, you're millennial. Yeah, born 91. Oh, Generation Z, sorry. Yeah. I think Generation Z's 96. No, I'm, I'm born 91, so... Yeah, I know, so that'd make you yeah. a millennial. I am a millennial. And my sister is the tail end of millennials, then. One of us, one of us. <laughs> Um, I know so you go, to let people know that's our that's our final list and you know at number five it's David last, Starr last against Jordan Devlin from a couple of weeks ago <laughs> and look in OTT in Dublin Ireland yeah and you did say it to say oh look a little like the idea of a little promotion thing mm. but it's it's by no means like, and I know you didn't mean it this way but it's by no means a pity pick no, no, no. But I think, again, that's indicative of how things have been able to spread as well. Like, imagine Ireland that happened two months ago. Who the fuck's getting their hands on that until a few years ago? Yeah. With... Oh, yeah, in terms of who could actually physically see it. Yeah. yeah. That one. So that's our fifth choice. Uh, number four choice, the only one with returning members from earlier on, and it's our only tag team match. It's Mitsuhara Masawa and Kent Kabashi against Toshiaki Kawada and Akira Tawa. We kind of had to have a Four Pillars of Heaven match in there. Uh, 9th of June, 1995. Then, 
It's Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat, our only 80s match when five stars were invented as a term for wrestling on the 7th of May 1989, WrestleWar89. For many, the Citizen Kane of pro wrestling and the first match on this list that Simon was willing to give five stars to. Number two, Kazuchika Okada against Kenny Omega, the match that broke the star rating system for good. And at number one, the first match to maybe break the star rating system and... Maybe as close as there is to, for, for like, purists and everything, pe- like, the people that know around the, the whole culture of wrestling might say, is truly the greatest wrestling match of all time. And that's Mitsuhara Masawa versus Toshiaki Kawada, 3rd of June, 1994. So, Simon, we've just been giving out some lists. Now, let's do what people who love lists love even more, and that's some stats. It's time for them sexy numbers, guys. First of all, also, I just thought we'd give a quick uh, rundown as well of our alternative five-star matches that we've done throughout the series. We haven't done one for 2019 because fuck it. Because uh, fuck you, that's twenty. What would be our 2019 alternative five-star? Wrestling's such a blur now. <laughs> We've just that's consumed that's so much. Um, maybe, all an interesting one would actually be one of those... Um, Tessa Blanchard, Sammy Callahan matches in Impact. Yeah, yeah. That would have been a good one to talk about. Christ, I, I'm drawing a blank, guys. and it, It's yeah. not because there hasn't been it, like quality. It's just because my brain is frazzled. Well, to remind you, if you've forgotten, these were the 12 matches that we covered on our debriefs. Uh, one that was lost to time, so we re-recorded it when we did our second one, which was the first one that you guys heard. That was... Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard in an I Quit Steel Cage match at Starcade 85 for the NWA United States Championship. If you like blood, it's got it. <laughs> yeah, that's an ACDC song, isn't it? I think so. Uh, I gave that one five stars. Simon didn't. He started crying because the big men were nasty. <laughs> Piss off. Uh, we went to New Japan because Dave didn't that much in the 90s, uh, featuring two of the three Musketeers of whom, as we said previously, only one had had one match on this list whilst the Four Pillars of Heaven dominated. And it wasn't even during his prime years. It was when he was basically just gone past a young lion. But here he is, Kijimuto, and here he's taking on his other three Musketeers rival and partner and friend and ally and enemy and all those things during their whole career Masahiro Chono again I gave that one five stars Simon did not might be an idea maybe if we're looking for something like along all the lines of lists or something to do in the future side without punishing ourselves with 150 matches looking at something like all the G1 Climax finals from 91 onwards could be a fun way of going Mm, maybe an idea for the future uh, then we had our first mutual five-star match, and it had better bloody be mutual, because it's my favourite match of all time. <laughs> and that was Bret Hart versus Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, at SummerSlam 92. And then we followed it up with my second favourite match of all time. Unfortunately, Simon agreed with me that time as well. And it was WrestleMania 10, whilst Dave Meltzer was giving five stars to Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon, which I was too. I was also giving... And even brighter five stars to Bret Hart against his brother Owen Hart in the opening match of WrestleMania 10. Then it was our first mutual non-five-star match to go with Dave Meltzer. It was during the Lucha Libre uh, rise in prominence in ECW. 
a two out of three falls match between Rey Mysterio Jr. and Psychosis. It's another match that I gave five stars and Simon didn't. Simon, for reasons of finish, essentially the last five seconds costed its five stars. Yeah. As Shawn Michaels defended his WWF Championship at Mind Games 96 against Mankind, Mick Foley. Another man that never made the, the list, Mick Foley. Then it was one that I did not give five stars to, but Simon didn't. Uh, Simon did. WrestleMania 17's Tables, Ladders and Chairs match between the Dudleys, the Hardys and Edge and Christian. Love weaponry. We did a twofer for our next debrief list, given the long gaps in between years at the time of the 2000s. Uh, it was right towards the end of the 2000s, start of the 2010s, though, with our... Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, WrestleManias 25 and 26. 25 was a mutual five stars, but I couldn't quite go there with the 26 match, whereas Simon did. Simon really, really wanted us to do Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the next one, but we didn't. We gave it an honourable mention. Yeah. We did cover was another NXT match, and the first women's match on this list, Sasha Banks versus Bailey. Whilst Dave Meltzer went four and a half stars... We went a step or two further, as that was our final mutual five-star, alternative five-star. Um, and then it was a pair of matches that we both really highly rated. Well, one more than the other, but we didn't give either of them five stars, both coming from WWE. One was the NXT match between Tyler Bates and Pete Dunne on the 20th yep. of May 2017 in Chicago, Illinois for the UK Championship and the rematch of the Championship Tournament Final. And then it was a last woman standing at WWE's Evolution pay-per-view as Becky Lynch defended women's SmackDown title during her ascent to top-line status against the chosen one of the women's division until then, Charlotte Flair. So Quite a broad range. If you feel like having even more to watch, if you haven't watched any of the other ones. Um, I'm going to give you some... Data and stats now, Simon. How does that sound to you? Oh, numbers. Love numbers. How many wrestlers in total in the 142 matches do you think were involved in five-star matches? You've got to take into account your 10-man tags and your multi-man matches and your, and your eight-man tags. How many do you think there were? 68. 68 wrestlers in total. In total. Higher. Higher. 85. Higher. 104. Higher. 120. Higher. Fucking hell, fire. 130. Higher. 140. Higher. 150. Higher. Just give me the number, Jesus. 162, of which none of them were Daniel Bryan. <laughs> Just rub it in. Or Seth Rollins. Okay, so here's another one for you. How many of those men do you think... And women were involved in singles matches that got five stars. A hundred. Lower. Eighty. Lower. Sixty. Higher. Seventy. Higher. Seventy-five. Higher. Seventy-seven. Correct. Yeah! Okay. It is quiz show ever. (laughs) Okay, so here's another one for you. 142 five-star matches... How many of them do you think came from New Japan and All Japan? Or do you want to go with a percentage? A percentage. 
What percentage of those matches do you think came from both New Japan and All Japan? 90. 90% of all the matches on this list. Think about the maths there, Simon. Think about the maths. Higher or lower than 90%? Lower, for God's sake. <laughs> I don't know, Dave I loves Japan. Like so you're thinking only 14 matches weren't New Japan or All Japan on our list? Oh, 80% then. Lower. 70. Lower. 60. Higher. 68. Lower. 62. Correct. Way! 88 of the 142 matches were New Japan or All Japan. How many of the 88 do you think were New Japan? Due to the recent explosion, roughly half? More than half. It was 63% of the 62%. Hey! New Japan made up 55 of those matches. So if we also want to take that in, New Japan counted for 39% of all five-star matches. And All Japan accounted for 23% of all five-star matches. Adding up to 62. Which promotion do you think had the third most five-star matches after New Japan and All Japan? Are we counting NXT as its own promotion? No, we're counting that as part of the WWE. Then WWE. Correct. The WWE comes next with 12 five-star matches. Which promotion do you think is the next one after that? NWA. No, they are fifth with nine. Ooh. So who's got ten? Or eleven. Or eleven. Oh, this is going to bother me now. No, no, it can't be Noah, can it? No. No. No, I have two. Oh, is it All Japan Women? Correct. I can't say I'm surprised it took you ages to realise that. Oh, put it back in the deck. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So, out of all 142 matches, how many of them do you think were in Japan? Or or actually involved Japanese promotions, because there were a couple that actually took place in North America but were uh, hosted by a Japanese promotion? 90. It was 103. 55 New Japan, 33 All Japan, 11 All Japan Women, 2 Noah, 1 Michinoku Pro Wrestling, and 1 from your beloved UWF. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Europe hosted a grand total of 3 matches that were 5 stars, 2 from European promotions... OTT and White Wolf Wrestling. And the other one was WWE's NXT UK branded match. In Cardiff. In Cardiff. PWG is the highest indie promotion with five. Ring of Honor had that stellar run in the mid-noughties, but they still only counted for four of the matches. Simon, who do you think are the seven wrestlers... To have more than 10 five-star matches to their name. Okay. Uh, Akada. Mm-hmm. Omega. Uh-huh. Tanahashi. Correct. Naito? Nope. Let's think about okay. it, Sai. Seven. You've named three. What does that leave? That leaves the four pillars. I was just being optimistic. <laughs> so just to round it out, Kabashi, Misawa, Tawe, and Kawada. Mm-hmm. Let's do a little celebration of the one-hit wonders. The people that only have a grand total of one five-star match to their name. Okay? Cool. 
and they are starting How? with the people involved in a ten-man tag team match. Oh Christ! Those are Shofunaki. Yep. Shiryu, aka Kazayashi, Men's Teo, Dick Togo, Takamichinoku, Super Delphin, Masato Yakushiji, Gran Naniwa, Gran Hamada, Tiger Mask Number Four, Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson, Rick Rude, Nikita Koloff. Then we go with people who are involved in eight-man tag team matches, and that's basically all the people involved in Wrestle War 91's uh, War Games match that had no other five-star matches to their names. And those would be Scott Steiner, Rick Steiner, Brian Pillman, and Sid Vicious. That's right. Sid Vicious won. Daniel Bryan, zero. Mm. What are you going to say there, Simon? I was going to say, one of them appears again later, but in a slightly different hairstyle and look, doesn't he? Who are we talking about? Austin. I didn't say Austin. Oh, yeah, the eight-man tag. Sorry, I was just thinking of war games, that's all. That was a ten-man tag. Ah, yes. My bad. Proceed. It was. It was. Now we go into people who were only involved in one six-man tag team match. That includes Samson Fuyuki in the match that we haven't seen, the, the missing six-man tag from all Japan's uh, 80s run. Heavy Metal, Pekudo, Psychosis, Rey Mysterio Jr., Super Calo, Winners, Giant Baba, Satoru Asako, Tamon Honda, Shimmer, Masato Yoshino, Naruki Doi, Dragon Kid, Genki Haraguchi, Ryo Saito, and Matt Seidel. To those that were involved in multi-man matches, Triple Threats, Six Man Ladder, which were the only two ones that we had, those six are AJ Styles, only one five-star match to his name, Christopher Daniels, same thing, and then four of the six participants in the uh, ladder match, Velveteen Dream, EC3, Lars Sullivan, and Killian Dane. People involved in tag team matches with only five stars. One five-star match. Bruiser Brody, Dory Funk Jr., Ricky Choshu, Butch and Luke of the Sheep Herders. Tommy Rogers and Bobby Fulton <laughs> of the uh, Fantastics. Akira Maeda, Keiji Muto, the only member of the Three Musketeers to even be on this list. Shiro Koshinaka, Terry Gordy, Doug Furness, Dan Crawford, Cutie Suzuki, El Hijo del Santo, Octagon, Eddie Guerrero, only one five-star match. We did briefly consider having his Brock Lesnar match as one of our alt five-stars. Love Machine Art Bar, Seiki Heisigawa, Yuji Nagata, Takashi Yuzuka, Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, and Trent Seven. And finally... Maybe most impressively, these are the singles match wrestlers who only have one five-star match to their name. 30 in this one. Starting with the first match, Tiger Mask, Dynamite Kid, Kazuo Yamazaki, Kunyaki Kobayashi, Jaguar Yakota, Jigusa Nagayo, Razor Ramon, Chris Benoit, Owen Hart, Akira Hakoto, Koji Kanemoto, The Undertaker, John Cena, um... I say Kazuo Yamazaki, didn't I? Yes. Uh, the Undertaker, John Cena, Davey Richards, Minoru Suzuki, Ta- Tomoaki Honma, Kushida, Donovan Dijak, Keith Lee, Zack Sabre Jr., Chris Jericho, Andrade Alamas, Tommaso Ciampa, Hiromu Takahashi, Taiji Ishimori, Hiroki Goto, Cody, John Moxley, only member of the Shield on this list, David Starr, and Jordan Devlin. Very eclectic bunch there. And yes, to go back now that it's fully recalibrated itself, our top 10 
are as follows. At number 10 is Tomohiro Ishii. Six singles matches, eight five-star matches in total. Then we have Kota Ibushi. Then it is Ric Flair with nine matches. Hiroshi Tanahashi comes in with 13 matches to his name. Hiroshi having 12 singles and one tag. Akira Tawe is our number six. Thanks to his tag team matches though, because he has only one singles match to his name, but seven tag team matches and six six-man tag matches, bringing his total up to 14. Kenny Omega with 14, 11 singles, three tags. Kazuchika Okada is our number four, but it would seem inevitable number one. He currently has 16 singles matches with five stars. By far the highest number with Hiroshi Tanahashi second on that list with his 12. And one tag team match, bringing it to 17 in total. And then we have Kawada at number two, uh, number three, sorry. Three singles matches, nine tag matches, seven six-man matches, 19 matches in total. Kenta Kabashi at number two. Eight singles, eight tag, six six-man, 22 in total. And number one overall, Mitsuharu Masawa. Eight singles and six six-mans like Kabashi, but an extra two tag team matches to his list, bringing his total to 24. That means that Mitsuharu Masawa was involved in a grand total of 17% of all of the five-star matches. He is Mr. Five Star. At the time of his final five star match in 2003, he would have been involved in. Considering how many were rewarded after. Oh, wow. Here's a crazy coincidence as well of that. He would have been involved in 34% of all five star matches because at time of recording, Misawa versus Kabashi, Noah, was the exact halfway point of this list. That was 71. Out of 142. Jesus. How apropos. It's funny how things line up like that, isn't it? Mm. Now, I think we'll probably be hearing Miss Hour's name a bit more when we go into our next uh, couple of lists. What we're going to talk about are our top 10 wrestlers individually. Maybe we'll have a definitive 10 or 5 after that that took part. But we also want to have our unsung heroes as well. So shall we go unsung heroes first or top 10 wrestlers first? Uh, Top 10 wrestlers first. Okay. Uh, So do you have any honourable mentions to your list? Uh, I I didn't write it that way. No, I was trying to be quite brutal and I may have to do a bit of justification for some of my picking. So my honourable mentions on this list are Ricky Steamboat, great wrestler, but ultimately only defined by the Ric Flair matches. But they were some of the greatest matches of all time. Jun Akiyama. If there's a fifth pillar, it was him. And if he had had other people who were growing up with the same abilities that he did in his matching generation, maybe he could have had as many five-star matches as Misawa over time. Will Ospreay. He's had such an incredible couple of years. It seems inevitable that it might be both him and Okada that are topping this list within a couple more years' time. And I love him. But he only had two matches on the list. Bret Hart's my last honourable mention. Uh, shall we go 10, 10, 9, 9? Or shall we both go our own individual lists? Um, let's do individual lists. Okay. Uh, do you want to go first or second? I shall go first. Okay, what are your top 10? <clears throat> now, my, my, my 10 and 9... I've only done it. I've done it because it's the second match 
in my um, definitive top 10. So I feel it'd be like rude. not It, it wouldn't make sense to not include them. So at 10 is Tommaso Ciampa. Nine is Johnny Gargano. Eight is Kota Ibushi. You could almost take the combination of the four pillars and three. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll just say it. So Toshiaki Karada, seven. Tanahashi, six, five, Ric Flair, four, Kenta Kabashi, three, Kenny Omega, two, Kazuchika Okada, one, Mitsuharu Misawa. Two, Kazuchika Okada. Yes. One, Misawa. Yeah. Uh, I should have put Ibushi in my honourable mentions as well because he's not in my list. Uh, ten will probably be a bit controversial because I think he's only in three matches, but one of those matches is just incredible. So I'm going with Katsuyori Shibata as my number ten. Okay. Number nine, I'm going with Johnny Gargano, your mutual, our mutual number nine there. Number eight, I'm giving to Jumbo Saruta. Number oh, seven, Toshiaki Kawada, again a mutual seven. I'm sticking Kenny Omega at number six. Okay. And Ric Flair is my number five as well. So it's our a mutual nine, number seven, five fives as well. A mutual number four, I've got Kent Kabashi as well. I've put Kazuchika Okada at number three. Okay. And Hiroshi Tanahashi at number two. Okay. And my number one is your number one. It's this whole list's number one. It's Mitsuharu Masawa. So we've Can't got this... uh, eight mutuals. Unique ones for you are Ibushi and Champa, and my unique ones are Saruta and Shibata. You can't really debate those, can you? Like, they're both, all of them have got, like, strong cases. Possibly the, uh, the Champa one is because of the circumstances. Yeah. And... Who knows? Maybe you'll some, there's some potential. He only has one match to his name as well. But so. it's my second. Mm. So that's why. You see. So. I, I figure if it's like they're in my silver medal position, they have to be on the list, you know? Okay. Unsung Heroes. I, have a, uh, I haven't put them in any order. I have a short list of seven. And so then I've got to give a five. So I would like you to go first. Because if you've got a couple of mutual ones, I might knock them off on my list. Cool. I've kept a tight five. Okay. Um, what are you I... doing? The Tonight Show? Yeah. Uh, so, my... Okay. They're not in no particular order, but Jumbo Saruta. Ah, so my number eight is your unsung hero. Fair enough. Yep. Um, Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay. Interesting. Yep. I don't know now how this unsung one... he is. <laughs> well, it's I've gone. The reason I've said unsung, he's not in any of my final top ten. Mm. But you cannot deny the year he's had and the potential he's got. Mm-hmm. So I feel he has to. He's uns, he qualifies for unsung under that criteria. This next dude, though, definitely unsung and a bit of a wild card pick. Pentagon Junior. Okay, only one match. I think there's a lot. I think touch wood, injuries and what have you, and and uh, the right people in the right places. I think there's a lot to come from him. I just have a feeling. It's my gut feeling. So, mm-hmm. um, these two. It's it's the order. Well, there's no no specific order, but it's two generations of my boy, Masanobu Fushi. Yeah, Tomohiro Ishii. Those were the two I figured you might pick that would make it safer for me to go for seven. Cause, so I'll say those are my honourable mention unsung heroes. Cool. I knew you were picking Fushi. I knew couldn't, it. Couldn't not. So I will do my five unsung heroes. And what I've gone on the basis of that someone might look at this list 
only see these names a few times, one of them a lot of times, but um, not see not see them as like a vital wrestler to follow necessarily. Mm. Uh, one in the instance because they're only in one match. So I've done your thing with Pentagon, and I have given one guy a spot on this, even though he's only in one match. So I'll start with him, and that's Minoru Suzuki. I, I, and I can't, yeah, completely agree. I, I think if, if I was more daring, I think the Tanahashi-Suzuki match wouldn't only be in my top 10 list. It would be really high in my top 10 list. I think in a few years' time, when I start rev- if I was to revise and reframe and do that sort of thing, I think it would be right up there with the Okada-Shibata match as the match that I would try and defend a lot harder against what's a fairly conventional top 10 list otherwise. Yeah. On my own. Um and I know that, like, I think John Moxley has said that that match, Tanahashi-Suzuki, is one of his very favourite match, like his favourite New Japan match. Um, it just offers something different to what you're getting in so many of the... You know, because so many of those ma- matches now are all based on ridiculous numbers of two-count kickouts. And that match hasn't got a single pin until it ends. Mm-hmm. You know? Sort of for the same reason that Jay White, uh, Kota Ibushi, ended up on my top ten yeah. list then. Minoru Suzuki, if... I think, is someone that people who don't like wrestling that much will follow, would like, you know. He's got legitimacy about him, like Shibata did. Anyway. And how man can go from one end of the handsome spectrum to the other end <laughs> over a lifetime. Uh, my next one is Barry Windham. Only in Ric Flair matches, but you saw how he... I think he worked with Flair better than maybe anyone did, including Steamboats, mm. in that they had a dynamic. And again, like everyone knows Flair Steamboat, not everyone necessarily knows Flair Wyndham. And he's a guy that's been lost a little bit to time because he I didn't, didn't have win the a... big titles and he didn't have a great final few years. I didn't have a obviously a honorable mention like definitive list of written down honorable mentions, but he was a name that floated in my head when I uh, tried to pin it down to five. Another one I'm putting in, Soyoshi Kikuchi. Only in a couple of matches with Kenta Kabashi. But the the fire in him, the energy in him, and if only All Japan had a bit more of a positive attitude towards his junior heavyweights. And imagine if he had been allowed to go out there in the 90s and and fight with the with likes of Great Sasuke, Jushin Liger, El Samurai, Ultimo Dragon... Pegasus Kid, Rey Mysterio. Wild Pegasus, Psychosis, Pe- uh, Lionheart, Chris Jericho, Koji Kanemoto, Shinjiro Otani, Eddie Guerrero. He, he would have a lot more matches, if not in the five-star list, in the four and three-quarters and four-and-a-half-star list. Yeah. And that tag team match with Doug Furness and Dan Crawford for a very long time was in our mutual top five. And if you want to see an underdog babyface, I think you've got Ricky Morton... You got Soyoshi Kikuchi. And my final two unsung heroes. First, the guy with the longest gap between five star matches, Dustin Rhodes. Wrestling's Benjamin Button. You've got an entire gold dust career in between those two five star matches. And he somehow seems more athletically in better shape at the end than he does at the start. Yeah. Because he just. He relied on his natural abilities at the start when he was called the natural. And at the end, it's his desire to keep going physically combined with his veteran instincts that allowed him to do that a second time. 
And just, again, a man that's so utterly carved his own niche in an industry, just like his brother's doing now, that could have been so easily defined by his father. And obviously some of it was for the negative over time, but, you know. And my final unsung hero is literally in the top five most five-star matches of all time. But, like I said, I went in thinking, is this guy just the Ringo star of wrestling? And he's very much not. It's Akira Tawe. The Don Don Master. He did everything that he had to do to be in all those 14 five-star matches he was a part of. He was no slouch. He He was not carried. He was not a passenger. It's a good list. I can't argue with any of those. And hopefully you don't think you could argue with any of mine. Um, No, well, they're interesting interpretations of Unsung, you know. And I I think one of the reasons I put Saruta up there was because I thought he was too good and too important to be unsung because you know but in many ways he is you know like i think jumbo saruta more people should know about him yeah and that is uh, in the essence of unsung isn't it uh yeah whereas osprey i think a lot of people do know about him but a lot of people in the know know about him compared to a lot of people who probably should know about him i think that's just really wwe marks at this point yeah Anyone with any interest of wrestling outside of WWE is very aware of him. Yeah, but... I mean, he got name-dropped on WWE on Fox, which was so surreal. But my, I, I'm doing it basic, on the basis of he could very much belong... He could belong anywhere in the world. And even though he wasn't in my top ten uh, matches, like matches, he's a phenom. There's no two words about it. He's... I keep saying it every time we talk about him. He is a genetic freak. He is not of this realm. Right, so let's do some final reflections then at this point. Final thoughts, and maybe incorporate a listener question if we have one. Do we have one, Simon? We do, but what can you say really at this point? It's like, I'll, I'll, I'll open with the question. Okay. I'm just closing this spreadsheet so I don't have to look at it now. <laughs> Ever again. Okay. Um, I do have to, actually, I do have to look at it again because on that list is... Uh, most of the tracks that we use as the end tracks for these episodes <laughs> because we will craft a playlist out of them if you are so inclined to go on Spotify and find out what some of these very obscure tracks with actually, star in the title sorry. actually are. So, our question, I don't have a name against it, sorry, because I'm just swimming in notebooks at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you think in... 2019 wrestlers in general are more obsessed with getting a five-star match than necessarily being known as a let's say multi-time world champion across different federations uh i think it's i don't think it's more important than winning championships even though it's faker than it's weirdly even faker than a five-star rating in a weird way yeah um I think that I think that they wouldn't admit to it and I don't think they're even conscious of it but I think a lot of them can you just rephrase can you just restate it just so I make sure I answer it correctly yeah 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 so do you think in 2019 or 20 as we go into it yeah uh, in current in in the current climate just to give us a bit more of a catch-up wrestlers in general, not not necessarily specific wrestlers, are more concerned with 
being known as a man who had a man or woman who had a five star match then becoming like a multi-time world champion um i think it's more important for them to be known on the scenes if they're having great matches to catch the eye of the wwe and if you're having great matches then you'll get titles as a result of it you know or you'll you'll be put into positions though they don't necessarily like David Starr was making a name of himself on this scene, and then it culminated in a five-star match, essentially. Yeah. Uh, that happens a lot of times, really. Um, well, Cody Dustin, that's uh, a very long, long, real story mm. that pays off in a five-star match. Again, there is no definitiveness to a five-star match. What, what was one person's five-star match won't be everyone's. What was Dave's wasn't ours in the majority of cases. Yeah. And what was ours in the D- in the alt five stars weren't his because they were alt five stars. I think the need to have matches that fall within a remit of wrestling that Dave Meltzer and as a result a lot of people in the online wrestling world through direct or indirect influence of those mm. are wrestling more now. They're having more of those. Well, we know they're having more of those now because in the past two years, Dave Meltzer gave 42 matches five stars or higher. 42 matches. It's insane. Our list is only 142. He didn't give a single... Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. He didn't give a single match in in 2007 to 2010. Five stars. And that's, again, like, I think that's a sign of of increasing influence over the years. And like I said, so much of the recent ones, like that David Starr-Jordan Devlin match, or um, the Bandido-Dragon Lee match, were this fusing of all of these things that you took from all those individual promotions that you're seeing at the start, you know? The big moves from Joshi, the layered storytelling of uh, King's Road, the heavy strikes of New Japan the deep storylines and soap opera elements of the WWE, the the high-flying topes and and the like from Lucha Libre. The viciousness of uh, TA versus Tully. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Um, Almost now that old school is now new school again with with things like NWA Power and everything. And people trying to go back to old school moves. And, and, And... the return of the world of sports style of British wrestling. Mm. Like I said, it's you're seeing things like you're seeing strike exchanges in matches between Lucha Libre wrestlers. You're seeing Katsuyori Shibata using a Johnny Saint escape hold against Kazuchika Okada. So there's this whole breeding ground of, of wrestling culture within itself. And inside of that is that Dave Meltzer five-star thing. The fact that from... Really, Dave Meltzer giving it to um, CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. It seemed after that that every new five-star match was a news story for the longest time. Mm. Up to the six-star match for Okada Omega. And people watch those and they think, this is getting attention. I need attention because that's how the indie scene in wrestling works. And wrestling in general works now since we're no longer about keeping territories strong. It's about people putting themselves up in the marketplace and hopefully selling some pro wrestling. About individuals keeping themselves, yeah. And that's why you're getting crazy matches after crazy matches with everyone kicking out of finishes, but everyone having to hit their finisher because they need to 
get their shit get their shit in. You know. Okay. So I think, but that that's also going to be a bastardizing of the concept. I mean, the fact of the matter is, Dave Meltzer gives out all those five star matches, but we didn't give a third of them five, five stars, stars. Uh, this year. You know. Partly because I think that the six-star breaking has affected what it means to be a five-star match. And that matches oh, maybe Dave would have previously given four and three-quarter stars or four and a half stars. He's giving five to. Like yeah, the they've been dragged Okada up. Okada-Sonada matches is a good recent example. Yeah. Or Bandido or, uh, against Dragon Lee. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of answered the question within a longer statement. Yeah, and I, I broadly agree with what, what you've said. I, I think because wrestling is about the individual, unless you're in a giant promotion like New Japan or WWE, um, an individual gets more attention with a five-star match than necessarily winning that promotion's championship. So they're aiming for that, but one does lead into the other because you get the attention, because you draw eyes to the product. Yeah. Bookers well, yeah. give you the titles. Like a couple of days after this, uh, before this was recorded, Bandido won the PWG World Championship. Yeah. Guarantee one of the reasons he won it was because in PWG he's been involved in at least two five-star matches there, mm. which has brought more eyes to PWG. So PWG think, well, we better put it on our five-star guy. And because he's had five-star matches in other promotions, he brings fans from that promotion over mm. as well, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Will Ospreay growing in stature, starts to get in more five-star matches. I don't doubt for a second that he's challenging for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship within the next 24 months. That's somewhat, that seems like an inevitability. Yeah. And those five-star matches, starting off with his involvement in the PWG six-man. From, hu- from there. Yeah. From humble Dingle Halls does he grow. You get that attention because you have the matches. And then you have the matches, that was what was getting you into Ring of Honor. Usually, sometimes it was promos, but it was mostly matches. And now that's what's getting you onto PWG in the shop window. And now that almost automatically makes you become part of a bidding war between AEW and the WWE and New Japan and everyone else, you know? Yeah. So I think we will continue to see more five-star matches being handed out. Although, he's starting to sour a bit on AEW. I think wrestlers will start to fan out more into different promotions and therefore... The top quality wrestlers are no longer there. Like, you look at how stacked New Japan's roster was a couple of years ago. Yeah. But now they don't have Omega. They don't have the Young Bucks. They don't have Hangman Page. They don't have Cody. Admittedly, not all of them were getting five-star matches, but it's still, it, you know, it, it, it reflects an increasing shots. And also people that were getting the five-star matches, like Naito hasn't had a five-star match now in about a year and a half, and he's body's so broken down, maybe he's not capable of doing it anymore. Ibushi's 37 years old. He's defying time. He has yeah. a painting of himself rotted like a rotting corpse <laughs> in his attic, in his loft, but, you know. Um, that's right, Oscar Wilde references in the, up in this motherfucker. Um, uh, uh, um, it's just, yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting. Mm. Uh, and to sort of transition smoothly sorry to interject uh into w- the final reflections and what we've sort of learned from this what have we learned <laughs> I learned something today dun, these dun, people dun, having five star matches dun, and being on keep going 
and being on this list that um, we've had to work our way through has broadened my like horizons to wrestling like exponentially. Like I've seen a lot more cool stuff than I would have had I not embarked on this project. And this is one of the reasons I, I, I want to do this project. And B, I'm so like glad we've managed, we, we've, we've brought it to its end now, and we've got that library of like to and hopefully inspire people to broaden their palettes. That's what I want from this more than anything else is people to look at this and find their own Masanobu Fushi, their own Tomohiro Ishii, as someone who has just captured their heart that you never would have seen had you not gone through this journey, had you not looked at these like different things, had you not taken yourself out of your comfort zone. And that, that that's just, this just shows that wrestling... Even if you do, are going through like a, a drudge, a horrible time with the product, and um, Lord knows, in terms of some of the main promotions, there are some there is some garbage stuff out there at the moment. It's the best of times, worst of times, yeah. in many ways. Although I don't think the worst of times are as worst as the worst of previous times. Still, but there's so much happening now, and ha- that's happened in the past. And that may be happening in the future. That's out there for you to see and explore. And, and a lot easier than it ever was. Because the streaming service is everywhere. You can plug into that. You can just circumnavigate the globe and just see whatever yeah. you want to see, whatever catches your imagination. Just just open. If you're fed up with the WWE, one of the things I'm going to do from next year onwards is whenever the WWE are doing a show in Saudi Arabia... I'm cancelling my subscription and I'm cancelling it for either the month before it happens or the month after it happens as well. So if they continue their going down the path of uh, two Saudi shows a year, then for four months of the year, I'm not watching WWE Network. I don't really watch, you know, there are months I don't watch it anyway, so they've just yeah. got a tenner off of me for nothing because I've got other things to do. So that's 40 quid at my disposal that I could now either spend on maybe going to see a live British show or I can go and get OTT online for a month, or I can get yeah. Progress online, or I can go and download TNA's app and go through the TNA archives, or I can go and find All Japan's app, or DDT's app, you know, or try and uh, spend some time looking up Lucha Libre, or just go on a YouTube dive into archive matches from the 70s, 60s, and so on. And when we start up in next year, our Match of the Week series continuing in a way, this format, that is exactly where I'm going to go. I'm going to find some Jumbo Saruta in his 20s, you know? I'm Sexy gonna, Jumbo. I'm going to find some Ricky Dozan versus Luthez to see where all of Japanese wrestling comes from, uh, you know, given the country's so defined by its history uh, within wrestling. Mm. So, Simon, I guess after you said that whole thing, I've just got two words for you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, if you had to watch only one era that we've covered in this, so let's say modern NXT, 2010s New Japan, 90s All Japan, All Japan Women's Joshi Wrestling, don't laugh, uh, mid-2000s Ring of Honor, if you could only watch one for the rest of your life. For the variety of characters, and even though... There is a little bit of sameness to their matches, the variety of styles. 2010's New Japan. Mm. But, 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 if I was just thinking purely in terms of in-ring quality, then it is literally a toss-up between that and 90s All Japan. It's the variety that that pushes them over the edge. I'll be different and I'll go 90s All Japan. (laughs) Because it, it didn't go too far yet. 
It hasn't mm. gone too far. Oh, I don't and... know. The way we talk well, about yeah, that okay, Masara yeah, Kawada 97 yes, match. Okay, yes, the head drops, yes. Yeah. Um, and that's true, actually. No, there's no... Except for uh, Omega, Ibushi, and Naito, no one's really trying to kill themselves anymore with <laughs> head drops. Thank God. Um, but if we factor in... <sighs> If we're factoring in from the start, really the head drops don't start happening in their earnest until 97. Yeah. So I've got 91 to 96 to enjoy before it gets a bit mental. And there's quite a, there's a lot I mean, of stuff there. I'm seeing Johnny Ace in five-star matches. <laughs> not, not not by my rating, but by others. Um, So yeah, that's probably what I would go with. But New Japan would be a close second. And Ring of Honor would be a close third. Because that was my that was my jam back in the day. Um, I'm just trying to think of anything else we can add to this now. Are you going to continue to rate things in five stars? Mm, no. One of the things I'm looking forward to out of this is just not to, like, analyse wrestling so much. Like, Well, we are going to be doing that with our match of the week thing. Yeah, but I'm not, not going to... Maybe we're not, gonna, we're not always going to be looking at matches with five star reputation. Yeah, put it no, like no, that. I'm not. I'm, that's, what, that's not what I'm going to be, like, going in for. Um, I, I feel we've done that by doing, uh, the Dave stuff. And, uh, this isn't to say that Dave stuff's necessarily over as he, um, continues. We, we will, uh, we will cover everything that he does. Five star wise. So here's one for you as well. What were your three biggest pet peeves during these matches? I'm going to accept the inevitable you're a sexist comment, but the lack of psychology in Joshi matches, it just didn't do anything for me. My goodness gracious me. Uh, Shoot wrestling really doesn't do anything for me. That's probably number one. I'll go with the head drops in all Japan towards the end because they're just so unnecessary. I'll go more specific with the head drops. You just know what's coming. Yeah. A reverse runner. The overuse of the reverse runner for no reason other than it never it, it never wins cool. the match doesn't get a clue to clowns so easily goes wrong you know mm. uh, I've, I've I've waxed lyrical um, strike exchanges that start that, that just go on too long and start at the knees or go up you know it just becomes tiresome oh, and and uh, count out fake out losses. Another good one. So those would be my three. Don't want to end on the negative, though. Um, no. Wrestling's great, isn't it? It is. It's just class. <laughs> and, again, I don't want to, like, regurgitate what I've I've done earlier, um, both physically and verbally. <laughs> uh, but this shows you there's just so much good stuff out there. And just because I don't like Joshi... Mm-hmm. By and large, doesn't mean other people don't have to like Joshi. I'm not I'm trying people, to. I'm... Some people don't have sexist hang-ups. Amazing. Uh, uh, some people don't like might, might love shoot wrestling. I didn't. <laughs> Variety is out there. I can't wait to send make you watch more of those sort of matches <laughs> when we do our match of the week series. Um, Variety also... is out there. Oh, yeah, it. and also I want to say as well, don't just be watching five star matches for great wrestling either. This isn't a healthy way to live either. No. This is the equivalent of never drinking water because you're constantly doing photo shoots for your ripped abs, you know? <laughs> it's it's not a realistic way of living. Did you hear recently, um, um, just to drop that in... It was the quick, Henry quick, Cavill thing. The Henry Cavill thing, yeah. That yeah. is... That, that's, don't do that. So what the hell is Taiji Ishimori doing? What the I hell is Prince Devitt doing? I don't know. 
Their piss must stink. To go on the other end, um, don't just watch wrestling, though. Don't even watch just five-star wrestling. Do what I do occasionally and just look up Arn Anderson promos on YouTube. Yeah. Look up Jim Cornette back in the 80s before it all went wrong. <laughs> watch watch some Colt Cabana matches, you know, even yeah. if you are Jim Cornette's. I'm sure Jill Cobb, well, I know Cobb Cabana's been involved in matches that I would have very, if I had to rate, were at least high four, maybe five. Um, but he knows a different way of entertaining people. There's all, watch a lot of DDT stuff. There's so many <laughs> ways that people watch can Kota be Ibushi, Watch Kota Ibushi have a four-star match with an inflatable blow-up doll. <laughs> oh, Kenny Omega's match with the uh, little girl. Nine-year-old, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, quite good. And the one with the broom. Okay, so we've got some reason we're still glutton for punishment. And before 2019's over, we will be doing uh, two more episodes for you. One where we'll be discussing 2019 in review. And then another one where we'll be discussing the 2010s in review. Before then, if people want to get in touch with us about the year or five-star ratings or anything else. Also, can you give our show five stars on iTunes? This is That'd the first lovely. time we've asked it in 150 episodes or so. And if you're this deep in, you clearly do like us. Yeah. <laughs> or you're a masochist. Or you're, yeah, yeah. And it's not our fault at this point. <laughs> yeah, you're doing it to yourself. <laughs> uh, from Jump Street, reverse runnering to an extent, uh, emphasizing many things, <laughs> crossing bridges when we come to them. Yep. You're all in been, it. You're in it now. Has been myself, Lorcan Mullen, and Simon Cross. Simon, if people want to get in touch with you about those things, maybe maybe uh, discuss the work of the Jump Street films and TV show, how can they do so? Ah, uh, People can get in touch with me on Twitter. Free for the number of weeks it'll be before... Well, actually, hopefully. Free for the number of months it'll be before I pick up a notepad and watch a match again. Uh, my name's Lorcan Mullen. Put an at gmail.com at the end of it. That's my email address. Look me up on Twitter, Facebook, Letterboxd, Instagram. LMTYS pod lmtyspod at gmail.com l-o-r-c-a-n-m-u-double-l-a in that's all folks n for and now the end is near and so I face the final curtain call and as we hug in the middle of the ring breaking kayfabe there's nothing left to say Except, on behalf of myself, Lorcan Mullen. And myself, Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you a lot of things. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. Farewell. You know, I've never allowed your farewell to be in any of I know that! I know that! (laughs) But you're in this one. Sweet. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb In the shape of an L on her forehead Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running Didn't make sense not to live for fun Gets smart, but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey.
Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid And they say it gets colder You're bundled up now Wait till you get older But the media men beg to differ Judging by the hole in the satellite picture The ice we skate is getting pretty thin The water's getting warm So you might as well swim My world's on fire How about yours? That's the way I like it And I'll never get bored Hey now, you're an all-star Get your game on, go play Hey now, you're a rock star Get the show on, get paid